What is a perfect life? You know, the American dream. A loving, wonderful spouse, a great house in a great neighborhood, 3.2 children, and a dog. <laughs> you know. Is this the image of a perfect life? Is this the dream that we had when we were young? And is this the dream of the young today? And if it is, what happens when the dream dies? In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. The perfect couple. They didn't just look good. They were good. They have it all. And they lived what they had to perfection. Living the dream. Yes? But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both of them were advanced in years. What do you do when the dream dies? We all understand the emotional desire that we dream will be fulfilled in a child. Well, until we actually have one, <laughs> then we kind of wonder. But no, really, we were made to have children, to enjoy children. It's a dream people the world over hold. And it's a great dream. And now the dream is gone. And it's worse than that for them. At that time, financial consideration that was a major factor in having children. The children could contribute to the working of the farm. Almost everybody was on a farm. And most importantly, they were the couple's only source of income and stability when they grew old. But in that time, there was yet another issue. <laughs> the judgment of God. God had said that if people didn't live right, he might indeed judge them by holding back children from them. When we have dreams that have died, is it because of sin in our lives? Luke was careful to let us know that Zachariah and Elizabeth do not fit this profile, okay? But the neighbors might have wondered, was there a sudden hush in the conversation when Elizabeth walked in by the other women? And maybe they didn't mean it, but she felt it. The reproach. And Zechariah, the man's a priest and no kids. Hmm? <laughs> What's going on here? What do you do when the dream dies? Well, if you trust God, you keep doing what He called you to do. <laughs> keep on keeping on. 
And you may find that God blesses you in another way. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Even though the dream was dead, Zechariah kept doing the work of God. The work to which he was called. And a once in a lifetime opportunity comes to him. Actually, it was even better than that. Most priests never got to enter the inner part of the temple at all. Let alone to offer the incense there. And Zechariah gets to hold this central honor in front of the whole nation. Do we sometimes look for blessings in the wrong place? Maybe God does have something else for us, that he cares for us in another way. Or maybe, when we think it's all over, God says, dream on! And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Troubled. Yeah, I, I get that. Zach's in the midst of the greatest event of his life. He has just disappeared out of sight of the people into a room with no entrance but the one that he came through. And suddenly there's a guy standing there that wasn't there a breath ago. Yeah, I'd, I'd be troubled too. <laughs> but fear. Is there more going on here than we realize? Maybe Zach had finally grown comfortable in a life with a dead dream. We can get comfortable in our loss of the dream. And it can be scary when God says, no, no, dream, dream again. So he's afraid. But the angel says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. There's a little background going on here. You see, the incense was supposed to stand for the prayers of all the God-fearing people of the whole world. Okay? That's what the incense was for. The reason the multitude were gathered waiting for Zechariah to come back out is that's when he's supposed to, with the incense, that's when he's supposed to be offering their prayers up to God. Okay? But the angel said God heard his prayer. Zach snuck in a prayer. <laughs> Give me the dream back, God, please. Do you think he prayed in desperation? One last ditch effort for fulfillment? Maybe, maybe it was a swan song dream saying goodbye to the dream <laughs> on the greatest day of his professional and spiritual life. Was it just out of habit? That he prayed. He'd been praying for it so long. Why did he slip his own prayer in kind of under the radar like that? I don't know. But I'm thinking this. Keep praying. <laughs> Even if it is in secret. Maybe especially when it's just you and God. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. 
for he will be great before the Lord. Not just joy. (laughs) That's not enough. Joy and gladness. (laughs) And not just you, many will rejoice. The dream's not dead, Zach. It's time to be happy! But we catch an interesting thought here. Have you heard the expression, the difference between a dream and a goal is in the details? God wants us to be specific. He is, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Well now, this is some serious stuff. When dreams come from God, they aren't just some warm and fuzzy feeling. (laughs) They demand proper attention. There is a right way to dream. The angel goes on, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Elijah! Whoa, mama. (laughs) Elijah? The greatest prophet the world has ever known. And my son's going to be like that? And not only that, he's going to precede the Lord God. Did you catch that? This is a dream far beyond all that Zechariah had ever dreamt. The angel says, Zach, you thought you had a dream? Let me tell you what a dream really is. (laughs) Which makes me wonder, is this what he should have been dreaming all along? Maybe we dream too small. And note, there is a goal to this dream. (laughs) Dreams shouldn't just be because we feel like it. They need purpose. And it had better be God's purpose. Because otherwise we might lose focus. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Well, it's hard to dream again when you thought the dream was dead. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Did Zach forget the second part of this proverb? Was the dream dead because his heart was sick? Was there a problem in Zachariah's spirit? Maybe he began to believe he wasn't good enough for the dream. Can't happen to me. Don't we know how that feels? (laughs) Or did he let the dream snatchers take it away? What are you thinking? You can't do that. It's just ridiculous. Get real, would you? (laughs) Whatever the case, it is hard to dream again when you thought the dream was dead. Especially if it's been a long time. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Can we just say Zach needed some help? (laughs) Sometimes we need help with our dreams. Now what kind of help did God send Zachariah? Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel. Only one other Bible, one other angel is important enough 
that God gave his name in the Bible. Only one. Gabriel. Daniel, the great Daniel, spoke to this angel in person centuries before. Gabriel. He gets Gabriel. I know you're thinking I'm nobody, but I'm telling you it's not true. An archangel has come to you. And I am, even as I speak to you, standing in God's presence. Zach, baby, this good news is real. But poor Zach just couldn't take it all in. (laughs) Anybody want to admit how very much like Zachariah we are? (laughs) Oh, I know God can do anything, but with me, for me, I just can't believe it. Has your heart ever felt like that? Like Zachariah. You see, God speaks through the dreams we are supposed to turn into goals. God speaks and the priests, Zachariah, were supposed to pass on his word. But Zach couldn't grasp the dream So Gabriel says, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. You ever say, why don't they make something that does this thing, you know, and then you find out somebody later invented just the thing that you thought of and now they're a millionaire. (laughs) I actually have done that. It's like we're being punished for not actually following through with our thought, right? When Zachariah couldn't believe, even though an angel stood miraculously in front of him, it was much worse. Exactly how many guys get to have an angel come from God to talk to them? Hello? So he's punished. It's a punishment. But also a constant reminder a sign that he really did see an angel. You know how it is. Did I really hear from God? Do you really think he meant it? Even though we know something is from God, we start to wonder. So God made sure Zach wouldn't wonder. Every time he opened his mouth to speak, (laughs) he was reminded Our dreams may be dreams that God spoke. In fact, all good and right dreams ultimately come from God. If we won't believe the dream, he may take away our voice. And that could be really embarrassing when people say, Hey, weren't you going to... uh..." (laughs) Oh, yeah... For Zachariah, it was about to become um, intensely awkward. (laughs) Remember where he was? He's supposed to come back out now of that room and he's supposed to make some great proclamation in front of all the people. People of Israel, God has heard your dreams. Or your prayers, sorry. (laughs) Whatever he was saying. So he's supposed to come out and make this great proclamation. Instead... And the people were waiting for Zachariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remaining mute. He comes out and instead of doing his big deal, all he can do is wave his hands around and make a fool of himself, basically. 
This is a very public embarrassment. <laughs> Nowadays, we'd say it went viral. <laughs> but what's he going to do? And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. He kept at his job. <laughs> there were a lot of sacrifices to be made, and you don't have to be able to talk to do that. But wow, his mind must have been racing. Can you just imagine? And then he goes home. I wonder if he thought his speaking would only be withheld in public, you know, public speaking. I mean, that's where he was, right? Maybe when I get back to the house, everything will go back to normal. Did he get home expecting to be able to, you know, spill everything out? <laughs> you know, at least to Elizabeth. Speaking of Elizabeth, what a line. What husband wouldn't like to have this line? Hey, honey, an angel said we're going to have a son in two nights, the night. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. But, but a few months later, Elizabeth is showing, <laughs> but not in public. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about what happened in the temple and it spread all over Israel. But Luke is about to tie this story to another of some importance. And that story starts in the backwater town of Nazareth, which had no internet and spotty cell service. So Mary knew nothing about all this until Gabriel came to her as well. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. We'll get to Mary's story another time. For now, let's see how these stories intertwine. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth believed the dream. But she also understood, through the Holy Spirit, that as great as her dream was, even it was only a small part of the greater dream God has for all humanity. Our dreams are greatest when they are tied to the great dream. And it is then that our dreams bring us the greatest joy and the greatest help and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's see. Mary came about the sixth month, and she left three months later. Hmm. Like after John was born. Think about the effect all of this will have on this young woman who would need encouragement again and again in her life. Our dreams are not just for us. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. The good people in our lives will rejoice when they see God's dreams for us coming to fruition. 
And now we have to, and now we have that very Jewish ceremony. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. I gotta stop there. I got. There's this Catholic priest, and this Baptist minister, and this rabbi, and they all live in the same cul-de-sac. See, and they kind of have a keep up with the Joneses, you know, kind of competition going all the time between the three of them. And uh, so on a Saturday, uh, when the priest comes home with a brand new car, by that afternoon, yeah, the Baptist minister and the rabbi, they got their new cars. So the priest, not to be outdone, uh, the next morning, real early, he's he's all decked out in his vestments. I mean, he's got everything. He's got. He even gets a couple altar boys, and he gets. So they wake up in the morning. The rabbi, they all go out to work, you know, about the same time and check each other out every day. You know, <laughs> they're real good at this. And they walk out, and here's the priest. He's got the censer, and he's doing the smoke, and he's doing the chants and the prayer, and he's going all around his car and sprinkling the holy water on it and all that on his car. That's ridiculous, anyway. So. But on Monday, the Baptist minister decides. So he hires a guy and they come in and they wrap the whole car in plastic and then they pick it up with a crane and they take it and they dip it into his swimming pool and pull it all the way back out again and he baptizes his car. (laughs) So now the priest and the minister are looking over at the rabbi and he nods, turns around and walks in his house. What's he going to do? So the next morning they all get out for work and they look at the rabbi. He just looks at him, nods, does it again the next day. And the next day, every day, they come out and he just looks at him. What's going on? The whole week goes by. And finally, the next Sunday, the priest and the minister are getting ready for services and they're concentrating and they're quiet time. And all of a sudden they hear this scraping noise. It's this loud metal scraping on metal, and they're just what is that? And it gets louder, and it just gets—they can't figure out what's going on. And so they go outside and look, and there's the rabbi cutting the last two inches off the tailpipe of his car. <laughs> Circumcision. Sorry. Uh, <coughs> I always kind of like that joke. I'm sorry. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. <laughs> And they would have called him Zachariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet. You know, sometimes, like we were saying earlier, our dreams need help. You see, it was Zachariah's job to give the baby's name. He was supposed to carry the dream forward. But Elizabeth had to take over Zachariah's task. She had to carry the dream forward. And you see, if a dream is from God, it will go forward. And God will use whoever he wants to get the job done. But then again, we got to ask, how did she know his name was to be John? She wasn't there when the angel spoke. It sounds like Zechariah had to write the whole story out. But he told her. Remember, this couple was righteous before God. They did do things right. All right, except for that one great, very public foo of Zach. 
In any event, he gets it right now, and he asks for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loose, and he spoke, Blessing God. Yes! The man hits a home run. Get out the rod red and the mustard, Grandma. It's grand salami time. He does it. And hey, we got to celebrate with people when they move the dream forward, right? Luke will tell us exactly what Zachariah said in Blessing God in just a moment. But first, a diversion to show the effect of getting the dream back. And fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Thirty years later, people would remember when this dream took flight. What will happen when we get our dream back? When we pour our praise out to God for his goodness? This moment, when the father of John the Baptist blazed like the sun in his greatest glory, they will talk about the wonder of this moment. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Prophesied? Not just speak again. <laughs> that would have been enough. Prophesied. When Zach believed and obeyed, he was able to do far more than he was ever able to do before. But where's the, thank you God for my son? <laughs> Isn't that the first thing? Why did, why did God choose Zechariah as the father of Israel's last great prophet? Yes, he's righteous, but Zechariah is also a priest. The job he kept faithfully doing. He's had more than nine months to think. Now he, like Elizabeth, knows what's important. The real dream. God has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Our dreams are great. God's dreams are better that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Why did Israel exist? Why was David made a king? Why was mercy promised to our fathers? Why was Abraham given an oath from God? Zechariah might not have nine months before gotten it, but he gets the connection now. And he, finally, remembers his own dream. A dream within the dream. He remembers his son, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I told you, 
It's a grand slam he's hitting here. <laughs> this is the first thing Zechariah has said in over nine months. And it's almost entirely focused on Christ. You haven't forgotten who's been living with them for three months, right? Maybe the real dream has been Christ all along. But Zachariah and Elizabeth were a part of that dream. And okay, maybe they were a little part. But they were a part. And our part may be small. But it can be a part of the great dream. It certainly was for John. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. When a dream becomes a goal and then a reality, it is a wonder to behold. If God is behind the dream, it will grow. It will become strong on its own. Maybe no one will see it for a long time. But when God makes it public, it will be glorious. What happens if we give up on a dream? Do we not give up on the one who gave us the dream? Why do we have a dream in the first place? We are creatures. All we do needs, for our own sake, to be focused on the Creator to be a service to our Creator. Some have let Satan's influence take away the dream. They may even, as Paul said, be captured by Satan to do his will rather than God's. It's a terrible thing to say, but Zechariah kind of let that happen to him. And maybe we too might be faithless <laughs> at times. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. If our dreams were just our dreams, they might die. And that's probably a good thing. But if our dreams are God's dreams, he will ensure they never die. And those who would stop our dream... As Gamaliel said to the council about the work of the apostles, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Be careful about standing in the way of a dream. If God gives us a dream, it doesn't matter if we get old. It's impossible now. He might send his angels to make the impossible possible. We might say, oh yeah, but... And that might cost us. <laughs> but when God furnishes the dream, he sets some pretty specific goals. And the dream does become a reality. And we will say, blessed be the Lord God. He has visited us and redeemed us, just like he said he would. Our enemy, the devil, has no hold on us. 
We can leave fear behind and serve God in holiness and righteousness because of the tender mercy of our God who gave light to those of us in darkness and the shadow of death. He will guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the real dream. Our living hope, eternal life with the Lord who gives us our dreams. Father, thank you so much. I thank you for Zechariah and for the record that Luke faithfully made of of this part of his life which he was uh, probably pretty embarrassed about. But in the end, he understood and joined you in the great work that you were doing. We don't know the work that you're going to do in our lives. Not all of it. We have some ideas. But we know that you have a work. And that even in this little town, in this little place, we're connected to that great dream of yours. Each of us who have accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts certainly have that great connection. Help us to believe, Lord. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.